This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Jessan Nam. And this is Jamal Dejani. Happy well, New Year. <laughs> ha- yes, Happy New Year, Jamal, and Happy New Year to our listeners and to our viewers all over the world from the Bay Area and beyond. Unfortunately, we're beginning the new year with some very dramatic and potentially significant uh, difficulties for the remainder of this year already, and I'm not even talking about the pandemic. In less than 24 hours, uh, the United States has been in the throes of an armed coup d'etat where thousands of white supremacists, Trump supporters, engaged in treasonous and seditious behavior by storming the U.S. Capitol. Four people have been ki- were killed. Uh, was unlike anything this country has ever seen and since 1812, actually, Jamal, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But if our listeners and viewers haven't been listening to us for this last number of years talking about how white domestic terrorists, uh, white supremacy domestic terrorists are the biggest threat to this country, yesterday was kind of proof of that. And I think we have an eyewitness account. That's right, Jess. Uh, Let's first listen to our reporter in Washington, D.C. We spoke to him earlier, Phil Pasquini, who has been in Washington. He reported to us many times from Washington, D.C., and he's going to talk about his experience, what he saw on the ground, and so we'll pick it up afterwards. Joining us from Washington, D.C., Arab Talk extraordinaire reporter Phil Pasquini, Phil, let me begin by wishing you and your family a better 2021. And the same to you and your family. This is the start of 2021 of uh, what we saw yesterday. I don't know if I remain hopeful, uh, Phil. I mean, a mob, that's all that I can describe it with, you know. Right. Maybe terrorist mob uh, supporting uh, President Donald Trump surge past barriers. You're in Washington, D.C., in the U.S. Capitol, used chemical irritants against police and forced lawmakers to flee for their safety. What have you witnessed and what's the mood now the day after? Well, um, I wasn't able to get up to the Capitol yesterday. We got as far as Black Lives Matter Plaza, which they knew also to be a flashpoint. And it was closed, although there were some BLM protesters between the police line. Well, they were sandwiched between two police lines at BLM and the Trumpers with their requisite flags on flagstaffs and wrapped around their bodies came by. There was a couple of ugly incidents of people screaming at one another, calling each other names and so forth as they walked by. Um, most of them, I think, went there looking to cause a disturbance. But since it was shut down, there wasn't much action. There were no international news crews or any news crews I saw at all, uh, at least the time that we were there. We walked then towards uh, Freedom Plaza, where last month we covered the Million MAGA March. Uh, there were a lot of people milling around, going back and forth. Of course, they have no love for the press or the media. We didn't feel particularly welcomed. Uh, but uh, then again, nobody is wearing masks and they're all screaming and yelling. So we turned around and came back to where we stay. Uh, and that's when all the action started at the Capitol. And I was 
disappointed and thoroughly disgusted with what I saw, as I know many people did. Um, they are insurrectionists, they are terrorists, and they are street thugs, and there's no other way to put it. I think I was particularly incensed and disappointed in the Capitol Police, who I've seen come down very hard on peaceful demonstrators, virtually overwhelmed and unreactive for the most part, when that was not the case at any of the BLM demonstrations uh, that were so threatening to everyone at that time. Uh, it was crazy. The mayor called for a um, shelter-in-place order and a curfew uh, at about 9 p.m. last night. The streets were completely void. There were no cars, only a few homeless people wandering around occasionally. And until about 7 this morning, the streets were empty. It just went out a while ago. There are very few people walking outside. Mostly everybody is sheltering in place, staying away from any action whatsoever. The mood overall is pretty bad. Now, we've been talking about Donald Trump for the past four years. And... <laughs> At every juncture, we've been saying, oh, no, uh, you know, he's not going to do that. That's like, that's the worst thing that could happen. And then something else would happen. And then, uh, I mean, uh, you know, everyone has uh, have been saying, has been saying, you know, he's not going to live peacefully, including, by the way, uh, I've been watching his niece, uh, you know, yeah. various interviews, uh, interviews, shedding. Mary, yeah. Uh, you know, she's a psychologist, uh, psychologist uh, shedding light on his kind of status of mind and said, no, no, he's, he, this guy's not, never going to give up. And uh, we've seen his supporters before in Washington, D.C. and other places and how they react. And <laughs> I'm shocked uh, because you said you're disappointed with the Capitol Police. I'm really shocked that there were there was no preparation of whatsoever having kind of known what's going to happen, having seen him on TV egging them on and telling mm -hmm. them to march onto the Capitol, that, uh, you know, uh, you've been in, in and out of the hallways of Congress. I've been there. I've spent more than three years in Washington, D.C. It seems well protected. And this is the crazy thing. And this is, I was like thinking about it. We spend a trillion dollars protecting the United States from right. enemies outside. This is, this is our over $700 billion, our military budget, close to a trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. And then a handful, I mean, not a handful, okay, a mob of people were able to penetrate the U.S. Congress. Right. I mean, isn't this crazy? I mean... I was looking at them. They all looked like they're from Duck Dynasty or <laughs> I don't know what, but true. they yeah. were able to hold, almost hold U.S. senators and congressmen and congresswomen hostage. And thank God no one was hurt as far as that, but four people, right. you know, were killed. Right. What do you say about this? Well, they practice for these scenarios all the time, and they have the manpower. Where it was, I have no idea. It took several hours to get enough people there to actually control the crowd. Their emphasis wasn't so much initially on moving people. They, they seemed to just kind of cave in and backed into the building 
and then they penetrated the building. The, the building space should be so sterile that if you come through the door, you would be shot to protect the space. They didn't do any of that. They, they for whatever reason, they were overwhelmed, unprepared. It wasn't until late last night at around, I'd say between 10 and 11, that they actually bought, brought in National Guard troops that set up a perimeter. They corralled the people that were still milling around in the street after the curfew. And I heard, supposedly, they were going to arrest everybody that was there. They gave a disbursement order and nobody left. This morning I got up and no one was arrested. 50 people were arrested out of a crowd estimated to be in the thousands. You could argue whether it was 5,000 or 10,000. Uh, they've virtually taken over the city uh, by themselves. When you see them walking around, they're very arrogant and aloof and above things. The best part about it is outside of these flashpoints, they don't know where they are in the city. They're, they walk around looking at cell phones, trying to figure out where they are, but they know where to go ultimately. And it's frightening to me because the the security that you're talking about is good for one-on-one. -on -one. You know, you got one officer and you have five people and he'll intimidate them and they'll turn around and go back or take whatever orders are given. They're not prepared. They were not prepared to deal with a group of hostile people who had nefarious intent. They didn't go there to address Congress. They didn't go there to address their grievances. And they think they're uh, perfectly within their right because of the First Amendment and the Constitution. But it doesn't say in the Constitution that you can assemble or you can demonstrate or bring your grievances to the government in a violent manner. It's for peaceful demonstration and dissent. Well, and some of them were should have been the police officers. They were saying right. to them, we're going to come back next with firearms. Right. And, you know, when I, when I covered the uh, Million MAGA March, they about a thousand of them broke away from the main group and came running up the street. And I went down to see what was going on. And they stormed a street barricade where there were about five cops and they held them off for a few minutes and they brought more people in on bikes. And when they came in, they were cheering and yelling and they've got their flags with the blue stripe on it for the blue line and yelling, we love the police. It was nothing but propaganda. And I knew that and they knew that and they were, ready to go through that checkpoint, but they only stopped because they brought about 70 people in with bikes very quickly and put it down. So they, you know, hit a point of resistance, they turned around and they went back to the main group. We're not talking about street fighters who come up and mug you. We're talking about 50 guys who jump on you. What, and what chance do you have at that point? You got the Proud Boys and the Women for Trump and the Take Back the Election and all these extremist groups of QAnon and the rest of them, they are nothing more in my mind, and I've seen them in action, street thugs and not good Americans. I don't care what their intent was. They were interviewing a kid from New Jersey last night who was about 20, talking about he came there to have his voice heard. This is not how you have your voice heard. You can vote. You can write letters. You can street protest and do what other people who do who have been vilified because they objected to Amy Coney Barrett's uh, process to get on the Supreme Court and the other street demonstrations that I've seen by so-called left-wing radicals who are peaceful, who've brought their uh, things forward, made their points made, uh, and then left. Not a bunch of thugs who invade a building, the capital of the United States. How does this play out? As you know, and, and you know what the Middle Eastern perspective is in, in 
many other things. How does this play out about how democracy works in America? It's an embarrassment. It's a total sham. And Trump is the person who is doing this, bar none. And he should be held accountable. Someone's talking now about the 25th Amendment. It should be evoked immediately. He is a criminal. This is a criminal act. He egged everybody on. And then he went back in and hid in the White House. That's the kind of person that he is. Get everybody else to do his dirty work for him. So now we are uh, uh, less than two weeks away from the inauguration. Right. And then I've actually stayed up very late last night uh, watching Congress just to make sure that the process is going to go through. And now it has gone through. And uh, despite all the delays, uh, Biden is uh, going to be the next president of the United States. But the, as you've said, uh, some people are talking about the, about the 25th Amendment. We have two weeks. What's the mood like, I mean, in Washington, D.C.? Uh, I mean, are we going to expect more demonstrations? Are, is the Secret uh, Service going to drag Trump out? Is he going to drag us into a war with Iran during those last two weeks? I mean, two weeks right. are two weeks. Right. No, it's a very dangerous time. We we talked about this on more than one occasion. You know, the, the most dangerous time of the Trump presidency was going to be if he lost the election and the last few days, weeks, months, whatever, that led up to his realization, living in his Walter Mitty world, having to confront the fact that he is not going to be the president. And and I agree with you. You know, there's there's things out there now about Israeli agents causing, you know, the death of Americans in order to prompt the U.S. to become involved in a war with Iran and other virtual conspiracy ideologies about how this is going to play out. Um, We have a war at home right now, and we have a serious uh, condition and situation that we need to address. Uh, I think I'm all for invoking the 25th Amendment and getting him out of there and turning this country back around in the right direction. It's not going to be easy, and it's not going to play out on January 21st, the day after Biden has been president for half a day. We're not going to see peace suddenly descend on the nation and all these issues go away. The most dangerous thing about Donald Trump, we talked about this four years ago when he was elected, was, in my opinion at any rate, and I know you agree, uh, was simply the fact that he was going to set a narrative that was going to normalize bad behavior and stupidity and more conspiracy theories, go back to the birther issue as one, uh, and then move forward from that. Look, look what we have. And it, as you said, you know, it's just one thing after the other. He, the, did you, you probably saw the statement he made yesterday about we, we want peace and this has to stop and we love you. It was the most emaciated difficult thing to look at because it was so poorly constructed in such ignorant, stupid statement of all. Now, then he says after that, oh, he's going to go for peaceful transfer of power. Now today he's back to, he's going to fight to the end. You know, he's a liar. He needs to be taken out of there as quickly as possible and let Pence run the show um, if he's capable of it. He finally stood up to him uh, as a few others have, but the whole thing is, is, completely a joke at this point, you know, him being president. It's been a joke for four years. It's getting worse. It's now a serious joke. People are dying for what? Who knows? Now you work uh, alongside a lot of uh, foreign reporters, and of course you yourself uh, reported from overseas. 
we spoke about this uh, in the past, but um, I don't know what you're hearing now about the image of the United States, about democracy, uh, the standing. You know, we go around lecturing people, talking about the Arab right. Spring. This is what people should do and they should not do. And then uh, yesterday, and a country you're very familiar with, Turkey, issued a warning to its citizens to be careful when they are in Washington, D.C. This is the type of uh, warnings I receive when I travel overseas. Uh, and yeah, you me receive too. from yeah. the State Department, yeah. stay away from Tahrir Square, don't go here, don't right. go there. But Because right. Turkey issued a warning to its citizens to stay away from Washington, D.C. What, what yeah. do you say to this? Well, I, I got an email this morning from a Turkish friend in, uh, in Anatolia who, who said, I can't believe that this would happen in America. I thought America was a safe place to be. Uh, I have friends in Italy who uh, have communicated their disgust and surprise, which is not surprising to me, by the way. This is what we've all anticipated. Anybody that's known Donald Trump or watched his career unfold and the way he's behaved since he was elected, this is just far for what it is. When you see people walking around the streets wrapped in Trump flags and American flags espousing their patriotism, who know nothing about patriotism. I mean, our founding fathers did say if the government was corrupt, had to rise up and straighten it out. I don't disagree with that. But you don't rise up for non-issues to destroy the very democracy that causes you to be complacent to begin with. I see these guys driving around in Ford F-150 pickup trucks that are all outfitted, jacked up off the ground. They've spent thousands of dollars. How is that gonna proceed forward? You know, when you don't have all of those things that you need, people have become too complacent and and lost the sense of direction and a sense of nationalist nationalism, not in a nationalist sense, but aren't we all Americans? On 9-11, we all pulled together. Now, look we're, we're, how fragmented we are because of one person, because of their policy and the implementers. In other words, a photograph on uh, on the morning program of the senator's who stand behind him and are still questioning this, they're fomenting more dissent. They're fomenting more problems. These people that are here that caused this problem yesterday were not arrested. They're out on the streets today demonstrating once again, marching around, trying to intimidate people as they walk down the street. Washingtonians are filled up with it. I don't blame them. They're sick and tired of all of this stuff. Uh, and as, as it gets worse, it's only going, I think, to get worse yet. I, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel at the moment, unless these people are held accountable and uh, for their actions, they feel entitled to come to Washington. Or I saw there was a big violent demonstration in Sacramento yesterday and other places around the country uh, in support of Trump's stolen, I have to say, stolen election. So Well, uh, we have two more weeks. Uh, hopefully, no special surprises like this one and and the country can pull together and start a fresh uh, leaf uh, starting uh, January 20th of this year and and we will be talking soon uh, Phil stay safe keep us posted thank and Michelle. thank you again yeah be safe I'll talk to you soon that's the voice of uh, Phil Pasquini Arab talk correspondent live from the middle of the uh, armed coup d'etat in Washington, D.C. yesterday, Jamal. 
quite uh, quite a frightening report. Well, uh, just let's explain because you're using a very uh, uh, big word, coup d'etat, which we don't hear about here. There are, watching the news, many interpretations to what happened. The news reports starting by saying these are Trump supporters. Or protesters. Demonstrators. Protesters. Yeah. Yeah. Demonstrators. And then you're saying it's a coup d'etat. I call them terrorists. I call them anarchists, whatever you want to call them. But definitely they are not demonstrators. And then you're kind of like elevating this to say that we had uh, an attempted coup d'etat. Why do you think it is a coup d'etat? Well, the reason I think it's a coup d'etat, Jamal, is because this was an attempt to disrupt and potentially overthrow the main center, well, arguably one of the two major, one of three major centers of power in the United States government. You have the executive branch, which is, you know, the presidency and all of its support. Then you have the legislative branch, which is the Senate and the House. And then you have our, you know, um, you have the uh, uh, the branch, uh, you know, of justice. You know the uh, the legal branch. This was let no that yeah the legislative is the second one, and then the uh, the the one that's associated with uh, the uh, all the courts, the the judicial mm-hmm. uh, uh, arm of power. And what we saw yesterday, Jamal, was armed insurrectionists attempting to thwart the will of the people using physical force and a threats of grave bodily injury. And, and in some case, Jamal, you could actually say that for a period of time, they essentially took over the legislative branch of the U.S. government. In my humble opinion, that's an attempted to coup d'etat. Were they successful? No, they were not. But at the same time, there were so many things that went wrong yesterday, uh, not the least of which is that you had the president of the United States inciting violence, basically throwing the match on the gasoline of this insurrection. And then you had the Capitol Police, Jamal, which was unbelievable, basically being overwhelmed. And it's there's some video, I, th- I know you saw it, of a literally and figuratively opening up the barricades and the doors and letting these thousands of people in. So my question to you is, if these were brown and black people or Muslims who were descending on Washington, D.C. at this time with this kind of intent, what do you think the outcome would have been? Totally different. And we saw that with the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, uh, demonstrations, which uh, were mostly peaceful. We saw we have actually pictures of the Capitol Police in full gear surrounding uh, the U.S. Capitol, preventing people from coming to the steps of the U.S. Capitol. That's right. I have a different take here, and this is an important take. I mean, you're absolutely right about everything you said. Uh, But my take is a little bit different, and it's actually a scary take, and I think it will change the way uh, that the United States is going to be approaching security, just like what happened after 9-11, yep. just like what happened, like all, you know, you remember the days we lament, you and I are old enough when we used to greet our friends and visitors, and, and I used to pick up my mom from the door of the airplane when she used to come and, and visit right. us. We used to walk all the way there. That's done, gone. 
every time there is something that happens, you know, every time something happens, like uh, the crazy guy that wanted to light, had a bomb in his shoe, and then he started taking your shoes, right? They start making right. you take off your shoes. Right. Well, this is going to change. I, you know, I, I, li- I lived over four years in, uh, over three years in Washington, D.C., and I've been in and out uh, Capitol Hill, uh, all the different buildings, the main uh, U.S. Capitol building and other, the adjunct buildings, and, and walk through the tunnels that connect these buildings together, eat at the cafeterias where the congressmen and their staff eat. So I'm very familiar at every entryway where you enter your ride, there is uh, just a, the regular security go through a metal detector and they're not prepared to face right. crowds. That's now, right. Now, this is going to change. Trust me, this is going to change. This kind of access, just also the days where people used to come closer to the White House and then they push the fence further away so right. they can't come near right. the White House. This is going to change. But here is the caveat. The United States, and this is where I'm angry, and it actually reminds me, and I'm gonna, you can make, why is he making that comparison? Because, you know, I've covered the Arab Spring, and I was in Syria, and I was in Libya, and I was in Tunisia, and whatever, and I've seen kind of like what crowds can do, and how governments reacted, and this is something we'll talk about it in a second. Yes, the United States spends minimum of $700 billion dollars that's right, Jamal. To a trillion dollar. That's right. Trying to protect us or protect basically the White House, the seat of the government, protect Washington, D.C. Spend a trillion dollars, uh, you know, trying to protect the borders of the United States. And here you have a bunch of rednecks, hillbillies. They look like they're from the Ducks Dynasty show. We're able to make it all the way to the speakers of the House office, all the way to the U.S. Congress main meeting room under the dome. Right. And so that whole security you had under that Congress, because that's a joint session, you had all the 400, what what do we have, 427 congressmen and congresswomen today? 438, I think, 37. 438 plus 100 senators, plus the vice president of the United States. And they breached it. All their staff, etc. They were held hostage by this mob, by this mob. But I mean, yeah, I mean but, that whole security right. that we have in place, these people were able within 30 minutes to be inside the U.S. Capitol. I think and you're that's right. what I'm talking about. They have now to revisit this whole security apparatus that was a colossus, colossal failure on their part. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Jamal. But I want to add insult to injury to what you're saying. Not only was that a colossal failure on the part of the security of the uh, of the police force there, what's even more disturbing is that this whole event was planned online in full view of all of our security apparatuses in front of the FBI, in front of the CIA, in front of national security, in front of police. This was organized on social media. It was propagated on social media. You it talk was about pla- it for days, Jess. You know that. Jabal, they, they, they were planning on it for two weeks, and the person that was behind the effort to get this off the ground was the president of the United States, who said about a month ago, you just wait, 
till January 7th because something big is going to happen. And then he and Rudy Giuliani basically say, you will never... You will never change things through weakness. That That's basically what the president said yesterday uh, as they were meeting uh, on their way to march to the Capitol. So people- now I have to give you some kudos here, Jess. You have been since day one saying that Donald Trump is not going to leave peacefully. He's not. We were, we were making jokes. I was like asking, what do you think? Is he going to get dragged out uh, from the White House by the Secret Service and said, yeah. He's not going to be leaving peacefully. And this is just the latest illustration of everything, denying that he lost, making up lies about uh, irregularities with the electoral system, challenging the electoral system with his uh, clowns. And I call them clowns in Congress, starting with uh, uh, Cruz and company. And then this is the last scene, basically, when they asked him, like, even when these people were attacking, basically attacking uh, the U.S. Capitol. And he was saying, yeah, yeah, go away peacefully. But yeah, uh, I know you're angry and why you're angry. We got uh, basically the election was stolen. Right. He keeps repeating the same lies time and time and again and egging because uh, you've watched these people, right? They're not that smart. Have you seen some of the interviews with this guy who who was sitting uh, behind Nancy Pelosi's uh, desk and 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 bragging about leaving her a note and and who stole a letter? Have you listened to these these guys? These, I mean, you see his supporters. They're a bunch of kooks, Jess. Well, here's they the problem. Yeah, they they. I don't know if 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 they have the. Uh, you know, any education beyond sixth grade, to tell you the truth. I don't, I I, I think that it's actually, you're onto something that's really important, Jamal. But, but here's the thing that's even more frightening. There are, there were lots of people there who were very intelligent. You had Josh Hawley, who's a freshman senator, who raised his hand uh, well, that's a different story. Those are you talking about uh, those puppets in Congress? Yeah, but and these that's are I people. Talk about Cruz and who, I talk about Rubio and but I talk they about incited. They, they also incited. Here's another thing. It looks like there was a West Virginia uh, legislature who was also, you know, doing a selfie video of himself storming the the Capitol. Also, I think it's a. I think we have to be careful to say that they're just. It's just ignorance, Jamal, because this is way beyond ignorance. Well, a lot you of have, these people, just the ones that I saw going there, oh yeah, screaming, "We want our rights. We're, 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 we 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 want to. You know, it's the same kind of message. We want to claim our. We want to get our country, make America great again. These are the low levels. Those are the ones that basically. People in the Senate, like Senator Cruz and Rubio and others, Holly. they weaponize. They play on their emotions and they play on their ignorance. I would say these are, that's why I said it's kind of like a show. I, I thought like this is like they, they came from Duck Dynasty or some, some crazy show like this. But yes, but you have these senators. A lot of them went to law schools. They went to Yale and, and very educated, and they're doing the same thing. I mean, these are the same ones who were very critical of Donald Trump, you know, and then later on joined his ranks because they knew that he was weaponizing these people, playing on their emotions. A bunch of white supremacists, basically, very bitter, uh, were very bitter to see 
a black president in the White House for eight years, and they feel that they, they, uh, they've been cheated in general. And Donald Trump, we know, he's, he's the founder of this whole birther movement. And these guys, I hold them just as much uh, as responsible as of Donald course. Trump. But of course, Jamal, they're all culpable. And um, it, it, it's, it's the birther movement, but I, I think the main theme here is white grievance that white supremacist you're absolutely right and just it's just white quick, grievance quick reference to their attire the flags they were flying the, the confederate the, uh, yeah confederate I, I, flag i wanted the israeli to, flag right the nazi flag yeah three i wanted flags. to i wanted to comment on that jamal because for me the most stunning pictures and this goes back to some other news that we need to cover maybe not today but later on you saw the israeli flag you saw the confederate flag and you and know the variation that, of the nazi flag and the variation the of the nazi light, flag light blue and took the swastika but it was actually a nazi flag i have pictures right. of these three flags that and, they were carrying and then you have ivanka trump tweeting even though she took this down afterwards tweeting that these were patriots yeah sure and then and then last week under because of covid and all the other things were happening you had probably the biggest spy in the history of the United States being released by Donald Trump and his administration, Jonathan Pollard, back as he's an American citizen, releasing him to the Israelis. Jonathan Pollard is responsible for more damage to the U.S. intelligence community than any other spy in the history of this country was released. And he was welcomed as a hero in Israel. So Israel's Heroes are our treasonous, are America's treasonous supporters and treasonous and seditious people. This give, that's why the Israeli flag was flying there, Jamal. That's why the Confederate flag was flying there. That's why this is really white supremacy domestic violence. They haven't gotten over white supremacy. They haven't gotten over the Civil War. We, we see this, this stain on U.S. psyche, on the U.S. mentality coming back to rear its ugly head. It hasn't been put down. And here, here's my prediction. I mean, you know, this we're, we're going to be making predictions over the next two weeks. Donald Trump and this whole thing, I know I said it's not going to go away. He's not going to go away easily. But I have even a worse prediction. This whole thing is going to continue on for months, if not years. In fact, today, Jamal, breaking news, many state capitals you had the same people who breached the U.S. Capitol were going to state capitals today and attempting to do similar things, attempting to breach state capitol buildings, many of which had to go on lockdown and close because of the information uh, that they may be stormed very much like the uh, U.S. Capitol. People need to really wake up of the danger that Donald Trump and white supremacy are posing to this country. It's a it's he is a clear and present danger to this country, and and to democracy. And people well, are kind about of asleep. The twenty fifth amendment, uh, just yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know how serious. Uh, it's not serious. It's, it's, it's not, not serious. serious. You don't think that's going to happen? No. I mean, a lot could happen in the next two weeks, right? So, uh, and and we've said before, time and again, that the last fifty or hundred days of uh, Donald Trump will be the most dangerous days, and we've seen that. He's like in a rush, like pardoning his friends, 
uh, egging his supporters to storm the Capitol and doing all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, brother, the last 10 days, you know, let's see, 13 days, you know, are going to be very uh, difficult. You had a couple of people resign today saying they couldn't put up with it. Mick Mulvaney, OMB, Elaine Chow, wife of Mitch McConnell, as well as uh, one of the secretaries. I think she's the transportation secretary. I'm not sure which one. But it's such a joke. You supported this demagogue for four years. You you were codependent with him. You were facilitating his attack on democracy and his attempt to undermine and disenfranchise 80 million people who voted for Joe Biden. And now with three days left, 10 days left, whatever, you're going to resign from the president. You're going to resign your position from the Trump administration. It's insulting. It's insulting beyond belief. And even the senators who chose at the last minute to withdraw their crazy claims uh, to interfere with the kind of counting of the electoral votes yesterday, the three or four senators who withdraw withdrew it, you know, your blood is still on your hands. I mean, that- they only did it because they saw what happened. Yeah, I mean, it's too late. I mean, you know, in a way, what happened kind of like saved us a little bit from a very prolonged uh, debate that they were planning to challenge every single, uh, uh, basically, uh, swing state vote. Right. And they just ended up doing it with uh, Arizona and Pennsylvania. And then these other senators said, we'll pass. We won't have these debates. I mean, that's uh, just... and then, But just to see, like, again, I go back to Ted Cruz and, and, and others... These guys need to be voted out. They know better. Ted Cruz is uh, highly educated. He's, uh, I, I think uh, he studied, he, his specialty was concept, constitutional law, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But, uh, you know, and to just like continue with the, with the, char- the charade and lies is just uh, beyond pale. Well, here's the thing, Jamal, that I want to get your input on. I mean, I consider this one of the most catastrophic, embarrassing, sad, disturbing moments in U.S. history, okay? And here we have the United States that is, and I'm putting this in air quotes now, supposed to be the beacon of democracy and decency throughout the world. We thuggishly tell other countries how to do democracy and what they should do. We've had the United States lecturing Arab countries for decades and lecturing other countries in Central and South America on how to do democracy. What do you think people in the Arab world and in North Africa and in Africa took from the images that they saw last night at the U.S. Capitol? We are the laughing stock, Jess. I mean, in short. And we're coming across as, a, as hypocrites and... We, we, we talked about this before. I, I, I just can't listen or hear any U.S. politician or pundit lecturing the rest of the world about democracy and about peaceful transition. And then, oh, oh by the way, all these people say, oh, we're not a third world country. Well, guess what? Yes, we are. an insult to say <laughs> we're not a third world country and we're not a banana republic. 
Well, guess what? That's an insult to bananas and to republics <laughs> when you say that. I mean, I mean, you know, they just kind of like, again, the media in general, they're so ignorant. We, we, we just this have this sense of entitlement that we keep going after time and time again, that we're something special. And God forbid that we're not going to see this violence. It doesn't happen here. And I mentioned, I mentioned about the security failure, and I go back to what I've seen like in Syria. In Syria, they put all their energy on a police state, creating a police state, and ignore their borders. Right. And that's why ISIS managed to penetrate through that right. porous border from Iraq and Turkey and then make, all the, make their way all the way almost to, to, to Damascus. And with us here, we put all our energy in meddling in other countries' affairs and putting uh, naval fleets all over the world and, and sending billions of dollars worth of uh, equipment and military gear to countries like Saudi Arabia and Israel and others. And then while we left, you know, our capital unprotected. So but, all these things have to be re-examined. Re, re, re but then, you know, again, just this whole idea, just think about what Donald Trump and Pence, who were they uh, uh, lecturing recently? Venezuela, right? That's their kind right. of like, their focus uh, and Cuba. was on Vene and, and, and Venezuela. And Cuba. Oh, the, you know, there has, wasn't a, a, a peaceful transition. That, you know, the demonstrators, look what's going on in Hong Kong. And then, you know, and, and, and then following with this, of course, is, is our media. When we're have, having similar, if not worse, things happening right here in the United States. So, well, that, that, so this but, whole idea that we are the beacon of democracy and stability, this has been shattered. I think that's exactly right, Jamal. And I think that this, this is why I said at the top of the show, this is going to have long-lasting effects, not only domestically for us for many months, if not years, but this is going to have a lasting effect on U.S. foreign policy. This, not only are we a laughing stock, but how can Western allies take us seriously and negotiate with us while Trump is doing the dirty work for, I think, Vladimir Putin? I mean, I think what happened yesterday made Vladimir Putin and the Russians, they were probably drinking vodka and partying all night because this is part of the Russian disinformation program on how to destabilize the United States. Their dream came true. And what what are our allies thinking right now in terms of, you know, the stability of this country, number one, and then number two, how much they can rely on the United States for support? I think this is going to be a pretty catastrophic blow for the attempt to have democratic rule in other parts of the world. And more importantly, and I mean, I, I wonder what you think about this. It will embolden other dictators, other demagogues, other people to kind of do similar things. And we won't have the political or moral capital to be able to lecture anybody. But, oh, look at our best friends now. Uh, we released Jonathan Pollard to the Israelis who did more damage to this country than anybody. And we see Israeli flags in the capital along the Confederate, with the Confederate flag. What does that tell you about our, quote, strongest ally, Israel, in terms of what happened yesterday, Jamal? Well, I mean, obviously that uh, the whole Jonathan Pollard thing 
And uh, this is another another thing that Trump pulled uh, out of his pocket. You know, this is uh, how uh, the things that he's been rewarding his allies and uh, with pardoning and whatever. And one of them, by the way, Jonathan Pollard returned to Israel on a, hero. A plane, on a plane owned by Sheldon Adelson on his private jet. So people don't talk about that. And he was received by the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. So the message that has been sent, if you betray this country, if you you're welcome this country, here. You're welcome you can here. be a hero. Right. I mean, this is the damage that Donald Trump has, has created. I mean, we've been talking about it for the past four years, from what happened in the Middle East, what ha- what's happening in Yemen, what's happening, you know, uh, you know, covering up for Saudi Arabia with the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi, you know, giving them a pass. And, and pardoning now his, his, uh, his crooks, uh, you know, and now egging on, uh, bringing back really from, um, I guess, the back rooms, the, uh, uh, the white supremacists and putting them front and center of his administration and his, his supporters. I don't know how many years it's going to take uh, this country to kind of recover from all the damage that he he had created. I, I, I don't know, Jamal, but I'll t- I want to tell you what Benjamin Netanyahu said to Jonathan Pollard when he greeted him. And I think this is very telling. He's saying this to a U.S. citizen who committed uh, treasonous acts against his own country, the United States. He said to Jonathan Pollard, welcome home. So traitors to the United States who commit prob- – again, Jonathan Pollard is unmatched in the treason that he committed – against the United States, spying for the state of Israel. He he did more damage than any other spy. Welcomed home as a hero, and the Prime Minister of Israel, who's supposed to be our ally, says to him, welcome home. So traitors, U.S. traitors, are welcomed in Israel. I guess that says a lot about U.S. foreign policy, Jamal. Well, hopefully this is gonna uh, this is gonna change, and then that's the big question. If we survive the next thirteen days of uh, Donald Trump, what are your expectations from a Biden Harris administration? Well, if this coup d'état, and I do believe it was an attempted coup d'état, did not take place, Jamal, you know, we would be talking about today is the flipping of the Senate with Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff giving the Democrats control over the Senate so that, you know, this is really the big news, the big political news, is that now, for the first time since uh, Barack Obama's first two years in office, you have the executive branch, the Senate, and the House all being controlled by the Democrats. This, I think, gives the Biden administration the opportunity for the first two years, because we know in presidencies, it's the first two years where you have the political capital to make the biggest changes. Barack Obama decided to go for the Affordable Care Act. What will Joe Biden do? Who knows? But the opportunity now for two years until the next midterm election is that they can make big changes across the board. Unfortunately, the first year has to be spent repairing or attempting to repair the damage associated with the Trump administration, who's done everything to undermine justice, international politics, domestic politics, the Equal Rights Amendment, 
the Environmental Protection Act. I mean, he has, you know, basically supported everything having to do with lawlessness and corruption in the U.S. government. So it's going to take time for Biden and Harris to kind of get back on the footing, especially in the Department of State. Once that's done, you know, the pandemic is still with us, Jamal. So I think that has to be a priority to figure out a national strategy to deal with the pandemic and financially to, you know, instead of that $600, you know, everybody's going to have to get the $2,000 and we're going to have to fund the states because one of the things that, that got lost at all this is that the pandemic is getting worse. We have a mutated virus, which is going to cause even more problems than we have right now. We have vaccines sitting in refrigerators, Jamal, that are not getting into people's arms because we don't have a national strategy supporting the states to vaccinate as many people as possible. So I think that's got to be the number one priority for the Biden-Harris administration. We have to deal with the pandemic first and foremost. And then the second thing is it's got to be the economy. We got to get the economy going again. We got to get people back to work. And then the third thing has got to be racial justice. It, it, it just has to be. I mean, well, you... I'll, add, I'll, I'll add one more priority. And I think... What is it? Is to really put, put the entire Trump family... In jail. Behind bars. Really. Yeah. I no. mean... Accountability. They are responsible for what happened yeah. on Capitol Hill. They're responsible for the four deaths, by the way. Yeah. Including uh, Don, uh, his Trump, uh, Trump Jr., who was earlier also egging on and, you know, cheering on the crowds. And aside from everything else, otherwise, if you give him a pass, he'll we just can't. sit in Florida, in Mar-a-Lago, being a thorn in your uh, side and, uh, and, and, and building a base uh, to come back at you in, in four years. I think this whole idea of this whole Trump kind of hijacking of the Republican Party, or I think, you know, I think you're... I think Donald Trump is, wants to create his own party. I mean, that's uh, uh, Phil actually said that on, on the show right. earlier, Phil Pasquini, is to take the fringe, not the fringe, actually, take the far-right elements in the party and just create his own party. And, I think that's and right. back in four years or he has, you know, this whole... And, and you, you have to get rid of this early on. And, so here's the and, thing, Jamal. really go after him for all the crimes he and his family have committed. No, I agree with you. And I think I think accountability, it looks like Merrick Garland is going to be our new attorney general, who's a really solid choice by the Biden administration. And, you know, a lot of the legal problems that Donald Trump and his family are facing are going to be state charges from New York, possibly other states, which there's no pardon in the world that is going to get Donald Trump and his family free from those state charges, that has to go forward, uh, absolutely. But let, let, let's keep in mind that it's not just Donald Trump that where accountability has to take place. We have to go to all of the senators, all of the Congress people who supported, enhanced, and facilitated this. And you're right. I mean, they're going to have to vote out Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Marco Rubio, the whole lot of them. And um, that's part of the accountability. There's 
There's accountability from the justice system, but there's accountability from our voting system. I mean, and we have and to this ask... Whole, this whole also electoral system must end. I mean, yeah. we just can't keep going back and back again to this whole thing. You know, what happened, you know, we're talking about democracy, about uh, one person, one vote. Let's go back to this. Yeah, I think that's right. And then the final thing that I'll say, because I only know we have, we only have a few more minutes left. Let me just ask the question generally, when will this country confront the ugly original sin that it was built on called slavery and uh, 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 an ethnic cleansing of indigenous people? When is this country going to confront the reality that it was built on slavery and that the civil war and the secessionist movement uh, we've never gotten over that. Well, and that's that the whole idea. These guys, they still want to have slavery. No. I mean, so my question uh, recovered from this. But when are people going, when are regular Americans going to believe what we've been saying for years, that this country has a white supremacy domestic terrorism problem? I'm not worried about some guy in Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria. I'm worried about the, the, the thousands of people who had guns, who came to the Capitol and attempted to overthrow, you know, the legislative branch of our government. That's what I'm worried about. And Jamal, our intelligence, I'm sorry to keep coming back to that, our intelligence services knew about it and we let them through the door. So for what it's worth, we were coming to <laughs> another close of Arab Talk. My frustration is because we've been talking about this for so many years and, uh, you know, the chickens came home to roost. It's really sad. That's right. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPO, San Francisco, 89.5 FM. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com, to download all of our podcasts. And uh, we wish you a better year in 2021. And we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. <laughs>